That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion Hey, everybody have a good Thanksgiving It was alright you made a so-so face. A lot of people napping in my house. It was like an adult daycare center. I had not one, but two wonderful Thanksgiving meals, tons of different food, great company. Is it like bragging? Is it kind of like in bad taste if you're like, yeah, Thanksgiving's just, it's great. I, I love the opportunity to see all my loved ones. There's no drama. Like, is that, is that kind of tacky? I think Thanksgiving is is like not getting enough love these days. It feels like we go from Halloween to mm. Christmas. yeah. Thanksgiving needs all the love it can it get. Yeah, it's just a day for just sitting and digesting, really. I mean, the eating part is like, what, 20, 30 minutes at a clip. You're not doing it right. And the rest of it, you're just trying to stay awake. And that's a great holiday in my mind. <laughs> it's like parade for a sliver, and then it's like cooking, and then it's waiting to eat, and then it's eating, and then it's struggling to stay awake <laughs> and hoping everybody leaves soon. Speaking of struggling to stay awake, what is this uh, podcast called that we're doing? <sighs> always trying to take us down. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, we talked about Randy Newman last week. I forgot to mention there's going to be a new Monk movie. Are you kidding? A movie of this series? They could barely make it a full season of that show with that premise. Uh, they made like eight seasons. And yeah, it's going to be feature-length film. All the old favorites are back. What? Tony Shalhoub and... Uh... Tony Shalhoub, of course. Uh, Ted Levine. A.K.A. Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I forgot. I did forget about him. Yes, I'm sorry. You think they're going to use the song? Randy Newman's going to record a new version, I bet. <sighs> Updated for 2023. What's his voice sound like at this point? He's like 80 years old. I mean... Probably the same. Probably the exact same. It's like that Dylan thing where it's sort of just like indistinguishable from the last decade for the last like 30 years. <laughs> but you're right. We should introduce the show. This is a music podcast. This is Losing My Opinion. I am cranberry sauce annihilating uh, indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I'm uh, indifferent to cranberry sauce indie musician Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. Let me explain how I met this individual. So I'm playing a, a writer's round in Jersey, and I'm playing the first song, and I'm noticing that my head is just slowly going into my chest as I'm playing the song and I keep, keeps going down further and further. And I realize that the mic stand is just shrinking. It's getting, it's getting smaller and smaller and I can't stop. You know, what's, what's worse stopping in the middle and say, Hey, let me fix this mic stand or just, we're just working through it. I didn't realize how low it was going to go though. So I was just fully hunched over singing into my shoes for the first song. But then this gentleman comes up out of the crowd, fixes the mic stand for me, makes it a okay. And it sits right there in front of me like a guardian angel. And it just so happened to be this fantastic songwriter that had played uh, just earlier in the night. This fellow named Mike Farrell here. He performs under the name of, of Mount Farrell um, occasionally. But if you're a fan of really unique storytelling and songwriting, we always talk about lyrics on this show, uh, much to the chagrin of Thomas sometimes. Uh, if you're a fan of unique storytelling... Uh, this artist is for you. I, I highly recommend checking them out. But uh, Mike, thank you for doing this show. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
For the record, I was sitting in the front row already, and I was watching you struggle. At first, I was like, is this part of the whole thing? And then uh, realizing that it wasn't, uh, it would have been cruel of me. Like, I don't even think I had to stand up, really. I just sort of leaned forward <laughs> and grabbed it for you. Nobody, but, else, um, uh, nobody else did anything, so I, I have to, I got to give it to you. Well, I, I always hope somebody would do the same for me. Nobody ever has, but uh, my problem is not usually the mic like falling vertically. My problem is always going horizontally. I just like always forget to tighten one particular thing, and then like next thing you know, I'm just like kind of like veering off to the side, and I'm like facing into the wall. So yeah, so happy to be of service. Um, pay it forward okay. for the uh, for the next fella. Well, it's great to meet you, Mike. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Do you have a, a spicy topic for Mike? I think I have a fun topic today. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, so that, that's the whole thing with the show, if you're just joining us for the first time. Two of us today, myself and then Mike, have prepared segments, things to discuss, arguments to make, songs to share, but uh, we've kept it secret from everybody else, so this is surprise show and tell here. Mm. So this ties in with a comment you made a little while ago, uh, of you, Thin Lear, being more the lyrics guy out of the two of us. You know, you like your John Preen, your your 12-minute-long Dylan tunes. He's just going to uh, intentionally mispronounce his name for the rest of the series. I uh, I like lyrics, but I they're, they're like the last thing on my list, really, uh, when it comes to things I look for in a song, things I enjoy. You, you know, you got the arrangement, you got the groove, you have the melody... You got a lot of things before you get to the the words, their literal meaning, and and how you interpret or understand them. You know that that's cool and all, but me, I'm often listening to instrumental music. I'm also listening to a lot of music that's in a language I don't understand. I hope you both uh, brought your passports with you because we're going to do some globe trotting today. Okay. We're going to do some international travel. We're going to listen to four songs today. Each in a different language, different country. And you want us to interpret the songs for you? You don't have to interpret them for me. I don't really, that's my whole thing. I don't care what they mean. I just, I enjoy this music without really having any literal understanding of what's going on, what the topic of the song is. I just love the sound. You know, it's different than instrumental music because there is a, a main singer, there's a vocal melody, but I don't know what they're saying. And I think I don't really care. And it's, I'm comfortable with it. And we're going to listen to these different songs in these different languages today. And we can kind of uh, collectively reflect on which languages sound really cool. Uh, maybe if you have any favorites here. Um, if with any of these songs you feel like, like me, you're satisfied not knowing what the lyrics are about or what the meaning of the song is. If there's any kind of benefit or appeal to listening to music where you don't understand the language. Uh, just a little experiment today. Mike, do you find yourself listening to a lot of music um, in other languages besides English? Uh, I mean, not really, but not for any particular reason. I actually feel like I'm not even listening to that much music generally oh boy. these days. <laughs> um, it's interesting. <clears throat> when, you, when you talk about the importance of lyrics and songs, I feel like I'm probably somewhere in between the two of you where lyrics are not necessarily a deal maker for me. Not deal maker or breaker, mm. but sometimes I'll be listening to a song and it'll just really capture how I'm feeling in that moment. And I just think to myself, God, I really hope these lyrics are relevant because just everything else about it is mm. just, you know, hidden right now. Um, and I find that most of the time they do or they're vague enough that they can, you know, I can latch onto them. 
Uh, so when it comes to music in other languages, I'm, I'm certainly down for it. All right. I've got some friends of mine who do a DJ night in Brooklyn occasionally, and they're like all in on like foreign disco music, like Filipino disco oh. and like Korean disco music. So, I mean, granted, most disco music is just about dancing and getting it on anyways. Sure. So there probably isn't too much lyrical complexity that we're missing out on through the language barrier. But uh, yeah, I mean... Are you going to tell us what languages these are? Or yes. Are you going to make us I'll, I'll give you a show little, our yeah, asses yeah, we're and guess. guess? That's going to be most of the episode. It's just us guessing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, oh, no. I'll give you some context. I'll give you the, the, the nationality. I'll give you the year. Honestly, thinly, these are going to be a lot of familiar names to you, these artists today. I think all but one uh, have made previous appearances Great. on the show. Great. I also do want to say, though I am the lyrics guy on this show, I very much understand that you can have a great song with shit lyrics. Like it's not it's not a make or break thing for me. I do think they're important. I think they can take like a decent song and make it great potentially, especially if it's like folk or something like that. But like I was listening to um They Might Be Giants Birdhouse in Your Soul the other day. It was like, oh, this is fucking great. Those lyrics mean nothing to me. So, uh <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not fully uh in one direction there. Sure. And I mean, I'm not either, really. I mean, what did I choose to talk about last week? I talked about Randy Newman. That's all about the lyrics and the, the concise storytelling. It is, but he's got some tasty arrangements. Well, yeah, that, that comes part and parcel. Oh, I, I, was, I forgot to tell you. I was talking to my dad about Randy Newman the other day, and I was like, yeah, we, you know, Thomas and I were chatting about how some people then thought, oh, he's being serious with the song like Shore People. And my dad was like, yeah. Yeah, like I had friends who were like, oh, this guy's great. Like, I love what he's saying. Like, like Randy Newman would come up with this song and it'd be like, oh, this guy's he's speaking his mind. <laughs> oh, shit. Yep. Our, uh, another example of our parents' generation uh, not being taught media literacy. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bias, critical hey, thinking. we're not doing much better in the age of the internet here. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, we're going to start off in Brazil. Okay. Portuguese. Uh, the artist Marcos Valle. I think this is like the third time I've brought him up on the show. Big fan of Marcos Valle. This song is from 1981. I don't know how to pronounce it. Bicho no Chio. Eh? Uh, from the album Vontade de River. This is what it's all about. This show, we do our research. Whatever. We if just you Spotify him. It's, it's the album it's from like 1981 Carlin, but where, he's, where he's shirtless. <laughs> I love this tune. I love this groove. That's ah. Oh, if this was an American song or like a song in English, that would be iconic. That would be sampled all the live long day. Mm. Uh, but as it stands, it's just a little hidden gem for music nerds like yourself or myself to uh, to celebrate here. I think Portuguese is a very like chewy sounding language. I don't know how much exposure either of you have had to it, but it, oh, I agree. Yeah, it's very very poetic. I love this tune. Essa prisão já me dá calafrio Só de pensar minha pele arrepia Vendo você como um bicho no cio Que vem me devorar Já nem sei mais se é tensão ou se é medo Me acostumei com você a meu lado Eu fico louco e não faço segredo Eu também quero mais Quando eu penso em fugir Você finge 
So that's my little jam from Brazil. That's great. That was just a little warm up, but uh, how are we feeling so far? That's pretty funky. I mean, between that groove and the the shirtless yeah. album art of that guy, like like that definitely that fucks pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> What's with our our show and this shirtless album covers with flutes? Oh, is this the theme? We we were talking about the Herbie Mann. That's true. <laughs> you should look it up, Mike. Herbie Mann's album "Push Push" it's called, and it's just like a guy with the body of Will Ferrell. It feels like that's like I don't know. Back in the day, it's like I feel like to to be a successful musician, you just had to like mm. be there. So like he was probably just there, and they were like, "It's a little simplistic." Yeah, take your shirt off. A little simplistic, <laughs> certainly. But is this guy a flute man? This other who? who no, we, what's his name again? The new guy, Marcos Valle. The flute just is. It's in the song, but I don't think it's he, tangential he, to he his sexiness. Sure. Um, all right, moving on. So that was a warm up. I don't know. Mike was kind of into it. Ten Lear, you seem kind of like you could take it or leave it's it. All, yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge uh, funk guy. But yeah, I mean, it's really well done. When a song has a groove like that, uh, I mean, lyrics are, I feel, extra inconsequential. I mean, that's clearly music that's made to dance to or to, you know, have your body involved. Um, so yeah, so I, I can't even imagine. Like, did you look it up? Like, what he, what is he even singing no, about? No, I purposefully did not do any background research into what these songs mean or what they're saying. Yeah, Sounds like every episode of the show. Hey, <laughs> speak for yourself. Uh, so that was just a warm up. We're gonna we're gonna board a plane now for Italy. Yeah, and listen uh, to more of my man Paolo Conte. You remember? Yeah, him? I do. Really, I think one of my favorite, if not my favorite, like musical discovery of this year. Really digging wow. into Paolo Conte's discography. Just fucking awesome tunes. He's got such a unique vibe. So he he sings in Italian. I don't speak Italian. This song in particular that we're going to listen to next, La Donna d'Inverno, from the album Un Gelato a Limon, which means the lemon gelato. I know. Yeah, something about gelato. Yeah. Uh, this song, this is like the most Italian sounding song I can think of. And I, I really do think there's like a unique appeal that comes from hearing him sing and you like you listen you listen to sort of the the rhythm of, of his voice and He's sort of not hitting the notes, but he totally is. It's kind of like that cool talk singing thing uh, that you hear sometimes. And it's just like just his singing voice and the lyrics just as like a tone. I'm really into it. I don't know how much more I would gain from listening to this if I literally knew what he was saying. But y'all can weigh in mm. with uh, with your thoughts. But I, I love this tune from 1979. Perché d'inverno è meglio La donna è tutta più segreta e sola, tutta più morbida e pelosa e bianca, afghana, algebrica e pensosa. Dolce e squisita è tutta un'altra cosa, chi vuole andare in gita non sa, non sa, non sa. Quando la neve attenua ogni rumore in strada gli autocarri non hanno più motore è questo il tempo di lasciarsi sprofondare 
nel medioevo delle sue frasi amare dice non It sounds like Jacques Brel to me but in Italian Però si sa lo fa It's like the day in the life. <laughs> so I, I love it. I love that. Yeah. That's weird. I I was not when the band came in, I was just like it just went in a totally different direction. At first it sounds like he's just like singing about cigarettes, and then all of a sudden he's like really happy. I guess he got more cigarettes or something. I don't know. They're back from the store. I don't know. At first I was like, no. And then I was like, uh, and now I'm just kind of maybe. Thomas, you should come out with a, a jazz standards album called Singing About Cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. At first he, he lost me when he first went into the woke up, fell out of bed part. But um, <laughs> yeah, once he, once he got into it, like it was, I, I was kind of getting on board because it was just weird. It was just like such a tonal whiplash for me, though. It's, it just sounded like so melancholy at first, and then he just, it just like it hit like a really big, like major key vibe, and I just didn't know what to make of that. I, I mean, again, I'm assuming you don't know what he's singing about. Nope, we got no context for this. Okay, so maybe it sounds like context would have helped you, like you would have known, maybe even subconsciously, to like expect something to, to come next based on like how he's presenting the words you know maybe that could have given you some context clues maybe I, I don't know it was just such a i just really wasn't expecting that yeah unless he was singing now the song's gonna change i'm not sure you would know that it'd be that different all right i like that one though i like that that's my favorite so far yeah he he rocks palo conte um all right we're not gonna take a plane to our next destination we can take a train because we're only going to france mm. to hear my favorite 70s singer-songwriter from France. Really the only one that I know. Fuck Serge Gainsbourg. I don't care about him. But we're talking about my man, Michel Polnareff. We don't know. You're getting some, some confused faces here. <laughs> we do not know that singer. I know Serge Gainsbourg. I don't know. Yeah, you're driving, man. We're just, yeah. we're just, we're along for the ride. Sure, sure. I don't fucking know why everybody's heard of Serge Gainsbourg and they haven't heard of Michel Polnareff because he's everything I want in a 70s French rock star. His songs are great. I don't know what they're about. This one is Ice Cream in the title. Mm. Ne dans un ice cream. I don't know. It's, it's from the album Pull Not Ifs uh, from 1971. This tune rocks. It's very French. And uh, <laughs> again, and see how this compares to the others. See, see how, what makes this song very French to you? I don't know. You tell me. Okay. It's in French. That probably helps. Sure. Uh, just the, the tone of it, the instrumentation is very kind of... It has a French Baroque flavor to me. All right. You can tell me if I'm full of shit here. So yeah, compare and contrast how you hear the language in this compared to the uh, the past two tunes we listened to. Just if, if anything sparks your imagination. You didn't really like Sebastian Tellier, though, which surprised me. He's eight. He's eight. I enjoy him. He's like background party music a little bit Ouch. for me. This guy is like a, a creative voice for me. He's like, a, ooh, songwriter. That's the vibe I get with with Michel Polnareff more. 
Je suis né dans un ice cream Et les gens qui jazz Disent que ma mère m'a nourri au jazz J'ai eu de petits frères et quatre violoncelles Un jour j'ai tout quitté pour suivre une étincelle On dit de moi que j'ai un physique de triple croche Crache triple croche Mais c'est pour ça que je suis fou de musique J'ai des coups de musique Je me drogue à la métamorphose Je suis un fils de roi ou un voyou Tout ça naturellement dépend des interviews Alors je ne sais plus combien je suis Je ne sais pas qui est chacun de moi Et je ne sais qui vous êtes Qui vous cachez derrière mes lunettes I'm like having trouble understanding what key this song is in <laughs> Going on. Both of you seem a little tepid on that one, though. I've never heard French spoken so forcefully. <laughs> like, I was real excited for this. I think French is a beautiful language. I love hearing people speak and sing in French, but I'm realizing I think I like it when it's in more of an understated way, and that guy was really just sort of like, just really blasting it out there. He should have that quote on the back of the record sleeve. I've never heard French spoken so forcefully. <laughs> Michel Polnareff. I'm going to type out all these names for the show notes. Uh, if people want to look this up later, it'll be written down somewhere. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, w- I would check something of his else out. Something else of his out. He's, he's got a pretty good string of albums. Uh, he's, he's got an album where he sings in English, though, and it sounds really stupid. Uh-huh. Just his manager talked him into it or something. But yeah, he's a great songwriter. We're going into this last tune here. This uh, shall not be a surprise to Thin Lear where we're going to end up. Uh, we are going to listen to some Haruomi Hosono. Oh, my goodness. It's been a couple months you know since me. we've done this. So. We got to go to Japan. I don't mind listening to Hosono. I mean, it's like most of his stuff, even if I've never heard it before, I'm like, that's interesting or I really, really like it. Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll like this tune. It's pretty freaking solid. Now, sometimes I understand Japanese. You know, I lived there from most of the time I was 18 to 21. I had a band in Japan. I got Japanese friends. This song, it's kind of lost on me what he's singing about. I, I can't really follow the thread. And I haven't, like, Googled the lyrics and, you know, looked up the written version or anything like that. So I'm I'm kind of just flying in the dark with this as much as any of the other picks. But I love this tune. I love the vibe. I love his vocals. And uh, we'll see what kind of impression it leaves on the two of you. Uh, but the song is called Shimendoka uh, from the album Paraiso, 1978. You played me a track off this record once before. It was like a tropical. I did. You get. Tropicalia kind you of. You got a damn good memory. Yeah. And this is pretty similar. Although this might, this is probably my favorite tune on the album. Uh, but yes, exactly. I did show you the uh, the title track prior. What's the name of the album of his that has like, you can draw a line between it and like um, McCartney 2? You know, or it's like that's oh. his temporary secretary phase. 
I mean, he's he's kind of got more than one of those albums, but the one you're talking about is called <laughs> the one like, before he was... Philharmonic. <laughs> okay, yeah, the one before he's just Phil like Harmony. Maybe, like, Sorry, Phil Harmony. Fart sounds on that one record where it was just yeah, yeah, picnic. <laughs> yeah, Phil, Phil Harmony is what you're talking about. Yeah, that's good. Um, this one's a little more grounded, a little more organic sounding, but still like kind of off its fucking rocker too. By all accounts, it sounds like he was pretty heavy into the jazz cigarettes around this time. Mm. It was the 70s after all. Uh, but here we go. Haro miho sono shimendoka. This is everything Mac DeMarco's always wanted to I be. I know, I was just going to say, like, this, so, so much of Spotify is, like, from his ilk. about that last one just just great just great yeah i love that would you like it more if you understood what he was saying no, i don't no yeah yeah i mean it's <laughs> groovy it's fun it's got a steel drum out of nowhere all of a sudden like yeah i'm definitely i'm gonna check that record out for sure that that was i that was great he's such a chameleon you know it's just like whatever he tries even if i don't love it i'm like oh okay he's mastered this style now you know, he'll do it for a little bit, and then he'll move to something else. Like, he's just so restless. He is indeed. Yeah, he's super prodigious. He's really done it all. Um, well, great. I'm, I'm glad that one uh, was a little more exciting to the both of you. Oh, it's my favorite. It's not even, it's not even a competition. <laughs> yeah, them. easily easily my favorite of the four as well. Sweet. Well, that was my, uh, my globetrotting tour with the two of you, listening to uh, four different languages. I hope nobody got whiplash. Or jet lag, rather, I should say. Uh, but that's it. I, I feel like we didn't really put our finger on any con- conclusion. No, or... absolutely not. We listened to four interesting songs. Yes. All right. <laughs> Instead of yes and, I got no, but. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike, what have you been listening to this week? Losing my opinion. Well, I mean, we're coming up on the end of the year, so I feel like I've been usually around this time. I'm trying to like 
sift through what I've been listening to in the year and like kind of come up with like a best of list. And I find I found that this year I, I really listened to an embarrassingly small amount of new music. Like I'm usually pretty on top of stuff, you know, just between like reading blogs and also just like, you know, various group chats I'm in with like people just talking about what they're listening to and stuff. And, and I, I feel like I really only listen to like five records this oh, year that man. came out this year. I mean, oh, to be okay. clear, all right, all right. no, not like, not like every period for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like for, for records that came out in 2023, I think my top three without even looking, number one is definitely uh youth lagoon. Heaven is a junkyard. Fantastic record from an artist who, I mean, if you want to talk about somebody who's always changing styles and pushing themselves, I mean, really kind of all these, these artists are that I'll be talking about. Um, Number two uh, is Empty Country 2. Empty Country is a project of Joe D'Agostino, who used to be the singer of Cymbals Eat Guitars, one of my favorite bands. Um, And then number three uh, is uh, Sufjan Stevens' Javelin. Um, I don't know if you guys listened to that record. I haven't listened to it yet. I mean, I I find that I need to, like, sit with him. Like, I need to sit with his records. I can't just, like, throw it on. You know, like, Carrie and Lowell took me, like, two years to listen to because I was like, this is going to be difficult in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I think the new record definitely very accessible. I'm kind of with you. Sometimes he can be a little, a little bit of a nut to crack. Um, I found this like right off the jump, you know, from the first song, I was definitely in on it, and it kind of got me thinking about just like his whole discography. And and then Matt, when you you know had invited me onto this podcast and said it's about you know hot music takes, one of the opinions that I have that I think I get the most shit for or have like over the course of my life is that I think that. Age of Odds is far and away the best Sufjan Stevens record, and I don't think oh, I don't think it's even close boy. until this new record. Honestly. Oh shit! Okay. Have you? There's an album called "Come on, Feel the Illinois." So he, of course, he's familiar oh, with it. This oh, is where he gets shit. So we're gonna get into this. So I think it, so. When I was thinking about this, it was actually really interesting for me to remember the context in which I was first introduced to Sufjan, which was when Illinois came out, which I think is the case for most of us. Even though it's actually like his fourth record, yeah. um, I mean, it came out in two thousand five. And really, if you think about what the state of popular of pop music like radio was in two thousand five, I mean, it was like a lot of like electronic stuff, and it was a lot of songs that were either hip hop or were clearly heavily influenced by hip hop. I think like the top songs that year, like number one was like Mariah Carey's We Belong Together, which was definitely when she was kind of like in that era of like moving away from sort of like super bubblegum pop into kind of this like sort of slightly more like mysterious like R&B kind of influence that, you know, she carried through the rest of of that decade. Number two is Hollaback Girl, which like obviously was Gwen (laughs) Stefani just like really going for it with like, you know, minimalist production and just like super in your face drums and stuff. So it feels like there was like it was bananas. Sure was. So I feel like there was like this kind of like this thing happening with that. I mean, like we, that was back when you couldn't get away from the, the black eyed peas. I think, you know, my humps uh, came out that year, like Missy Elliott lose control. Like, you know, like, I mean, really like a lot of like interesting, you know, pop music for sure. I mean, not that my humps was that interesting. Yeah, but I mean, definitely. lose control is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, anything Missy Elliott does, definitely. Um, on the other side of things, like rock music was like really big and heavy. Like I think Foo Fighters Best of You came out that year. There was like Three Doors Down was like all over the radio. I think like... Um, whatever the fucking Weezer record was with Beverly Hills, like that one came out. Make Believe, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But like kind of in the middle, there sort of was this market for like sad boy stuff as well. Like that was the year that Daniel Powder's Bad Day came out. Coldplay X and Y with Fix You was like a huge Mm. single off of that. Um, So there was kind of like a room for like sensitivity, but like 
None of those, they, they didn't have cred, you know? So then all of a sudden, like, Illinois came out, and there's just, like, this... I, I feel like it, it kind of ushered in this era of, like, overachiever indie rock. Yeah, Where yeah. it was, like, sort of, like, homespun and handmade, but, like, you know, there was definitely the feeling of, like, there being a thousand instruments on it. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, the whole... What's that? We think of those records as, like, or they're marketed to us as, like, oh, this is DIY or whatever, but, like, that album sounds infinitely better in terms of just engineering quality production quality arrangements than like most of the other records that came out that year that are like major label records and that's it's where like in, that, that's overblown in a good way like indie rock sound yeah. is i don't know yeah you're right i don't know why it's tagged as homespun but like it's just it sounds gorgeous it's not well really. the whole the whole album kind of feels like they got together and they said, hey, gang, like, we're going to put on the best play this town has ever seen so we can, like, raise enough money to save the rec center. <laughs> there's, there's some Charlie Brown songs on there. Way, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a Charlie Brown music. It's like Charlie Brown mixed with, like, a Waiting for Guffman kind of, like, <laughs> type of, of feeling. But, I mean, at the time when it came out, like, obviously you, like, couldn't really escape it. I mean, like. It's a gorgeous sounding album. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Anyway, so I said. Yeah, I mean, like, you hear the first notes of Chicago, and, like, I still think that's one of, like, you know, just, like, an, an amazing moment in music, like, that just sounds like the lights of the building turning on, and it's all very cinematic and grand, and, you know, it, it mm. proceeded to soundtrack every movie trailer, you know, that came out in, like, the next four years. Like, I really associate that song with Little Miss Sunshine, and I can't even remember if it's actually in that movie or if it was just in the trailer. You're right, I think it is. I think it is. But there, yeah. but there was sort of this like emergence of like indie as kind of a pop cultural force that I feel like that album, not necessarily saying that it did that, but it was certainly like on the upswell of all of that. Yeah, you know, like as mentioned, like um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine came out in 2006. Juno was 2007. Like you know, 500 Days of Summer. Like kind of all this yeah. like sort of very twee sweet disposition. You know, sweet yeah. disposition. <laughs> Which, honestly, the rest of that Temper Trap record, I remember being pretty good. That was the only song anyone gave a damn about. But I remember getting that at my college radio station and being very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, so when that all came out, like, honestly, for me, like, I, I don't know. I, let's say 2005, I was, I think, a sophomore in high school. And I don't know. At the time, like, I had just sort of gotten into, like, emo. So, like, I was probably at that point. I don't know. If, uh, like, I think I, I started hearing that record or Illinois, like, in a big way in, like, 2006. I think at that point, like the leaked brand new demos just had like a death grip on me. And I was uh, like really into like every time I die and like all these like hardcore bands. And I don't know, it just like music was still like a very like novel thing to me because I realized there was so much stuff happening that was outside of the radio. And then there kind of came this like other movement of sort of like, I don't know when I think of Illinois, I also think of like the first clap your hands say, yeah, record. I think of like that uh, one tapes and tapes record. If you oh, remember man. that band. Yeah. 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 Tapes yeah. And tapes. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it was just like, you sort of like kind of couldn't avoid it. Um, but I mean, when it came to like actually sitting and listening to Illinois, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of just like was kind of a slog for me. It is like very twee. I feel like that's a word I'll keep using to refer to that. I mean, like, yes, obviously there's great songs, amazing arrangements and stuff, but like, there's also a lot of bullshit on that record. There's like a lot of songs. I mean, there's that one song that's just like applause for the song before and the title of the song hey. is so long that you can't say it in the duration of the song because it's only like six seconds long. Um... And even when I went back and then listened to that record again, like in anticipation of this, I was sort of like, by the end of it, I was just kind of like, okay, like, all right, like, you know, come on. I'm, I'm tapping my watch here. This is, which is not sure. good radio, but. <laughs> I like the, I like the interstitial bits. It's like a white album thing for me. So some it's of them, charming, you know, I, yeah. you're, you're not wrong on some of it. I, I think the, 
some of the songs that are a bit more substantial, I, I probably enjoy more than you. Like the one, uh, I think it's the second track. I forget the name of it. With the what the horns? Yes. Which uh, actually, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> which that to me sounds like yeah, that sounds like a community theater production yeah. of like Close Encounters of the of the Third Kind or, or whatever. So I'll read the title of that song. That song is called The Black Hawk War or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning or We Apologize for the Inconvenience but You're Going to Have to Leave Now or I quote, I have fought the big knives and will continue to fight them until they are off our lands. And listen, I like that song, but like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, imagine my surprise in 2010 when, you know, Age of Odds comes out. We get it at the college radio station. And I pop it on, you know, the first song, Feudal Devices. I was like, okay, he's like on his sad boy bullshit. Like, you know, whatever. Is it just going to be more of this stuff? And then imagine my surprise when the second song kicks in and sounds like this. Too much. This was shocking to hear when it came out, yes. And that's a song that could work if he had done it in the Illinois style. That's that could fit right in. It's it's all the arrangement though. He was just like, all right. Yeah, there's here. a strong, there's super strong melodies. I mean, you can hear that song once and be able, and be able to sing the chorus back. I think just a lot of people like, yeah, because it wasn't he wasn't painting with the you know the sonic palette that they were used to. Just like didn't really know what to make of it. But I mean, that for me has just always been super exciting. Like I love when artists make like crazy left turns like this. But I got to say, this actually wasn't even a total surprise to me. Um, Because I don't know if you remember back in 2009, there was this compilation. I think the Destiner Brothers put it out. It's called Dark Was the Night. You Are the Blood. That's that's the best song on that whole compilation. That's a great compilation. It's not the best song on the whole whole compilation. What do you think the best song is? Probably train song Ben Gibbard and Feist. That's really good. I, I really really love you. Are but the that's blood. a cover. So you are the yeah. blood. I mean, if you want to talk about. Oh, actually, I mean Naughty Pine by the. Well, you are the blood. The cover the too. He just oh, it is? totally redid it. Yes, yeah, a song by the cast uh, Castanets on his oh, uh, on his label. Yeah. Edit. Right. I think I had actually looked that up when I was <laughs> researching for this today. But yeah, because I remember one of my friends sent me that and he's like, dude, he's like, check out what, what he used to call him Suff Jan. He's like, check out what Suff Jan's doing. That's just my... Suff Jan. Just yeah, we all did. Said. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I remember like hearing that like kind of like 
like, you know, in a maximalist version. And um, I also remember seeing him play that um, on Jimmy Fallon and the whole band had like this crazy, like they were, it was, I mean, it was, again, it was like, even with this sort of like very difficult and unique sounding production, there was still very much this like homemade element of it where the band came out and he was like, they were just all in like fluorescent gaff tape, basically just like taped over like their clothes. And I remember my college roommate, we put it on and he would just like, you know, hit the blunt and put it down and was like, yo, he looks like a samurai from the mid nineties. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, he sure does. He, he definitely um, does. I guess um, I'm going to send the rest of the links in here at once sure. so you just like know what to click on. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, I think like to me, the moment where I went from being like, okay, this is interesting to being like, hell yeah, like I fuck with this hard is the next song, which is the title track, which if you want to go ahead and cue that up, it comes in. Age of, so is it, it's Age of Odds? Yeah, Age of Odds. ADC, it's not Age of Ads. No, it's Odds. I mean, they say I'm living it. in the Age of Ads. So I mean, aren't we all? This episode was brought to you by, by BetterHelp. BetterHelp. <laughs> Don't have time to find a real therapist? Use code BACKDOOR20 for 20 free therapy sessions. That's a lot of free therapy sessions. It's not a, it's not a good deal for them. I don't know how they're making <laughs> money unquote, off of it. therapy session. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, cue this up when you're ready. Maximalism. Yeah, it, you know, it's, in that sense, it's not like aesthetically too different from Illinois and that's just like everything in the kitchen sink. It still sounds homespun, but now with electronica. Um, but yeah, no, it was like, I, I remember having like a pretty visceral reaction to hearing it the first time, like not liking, not liking it the first time I heard it and then kind of needing to get into it. But that's happened with a few Sufjan records. Uh, now he came out with an EP right before this called all delighted people, which yes, yeah. I mm -hmm. loved. And that is not electronica. Uh, much at all, but it is like a heavier rock kind of sound. There's a bit more improvisational stuff going on. Like, yeah, there are moments on that EP that feel like they come back in some of these different, in some of the songs off of this record. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, Thomas, if you want to uh, play the right. play the title track here, we'll listen to it for a little title bit, and then, I'll, and I'll go off on it some more. This is Godzilla music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brought those flutes back. The song is eight minutes long. That's where we're starting. Like there were moments on Illinois that were kind of like hinting at this, but then he just like really went for it. I'll keep on caring 
that's, that part's a little weird there, but. I love that. I, All right, I'm, I'm coming around a little bit. It's like, the, I hear that song and, and the image I get is like, it's like, like Mickey Mouse in Fantasia when he's like, mm-hmm. Summoning the waves, yeah, except yeah. it's just, except it's flutes. It's just like, <laughs> and and you know, like in that song we were talking about, like you know, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, Black Hawk, or this is something, or like go fuck yourself, like <laughs> like that that song has like kind of those like flittery, like like it's all there. And yeah. even like when you listen to that, you know, it's like the dominant feeling is like, oh, this is like an electronic song. But actually, there's tons of organic instruments in that. There's like you know the flute and the piccolo trills. There's like a full horn section. I mean, there's like acoustic guitar. And I think in that song in particular, I mean, it's like six or eight minutes long. It really, he really establishes these like central themes and then he revisits them in different instrumentation in a way that like keeps the whole song just like moving forward. So in a way where he's kind of just doing like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, like, you know, type if you want to call them that, like A part, B part type of stuff. But the instrumentation underneath changes in just like what I think is like a really incredible way so that you're kind of hearing like different iterations of this thing like it's almost like the band is like melting as it's playing and then it's sort of like coming back and then the very end of the song is just him with like finger picking guitar and it kind of like all sort of takes like a like a major key bent at the end too like i don't know just his use of tonality in that it's just like it's just crazy like in those verses like the second chord is just this weird kind of like melting minor thing I, like, I don't even know how you sit down and arrange this record. Like, it, it's just, I, I mean, it just seems like this either must have been, like, a series of incredibly happy accidents or, like, the product of endless tinkering. It doesn't seem like there yeah. can be anything in between. No, it is one of those kind of, like, how would you even put the notes and bolts of this together? Like, how does a human mind, like, collect all that and make it cohesive at the end of the day? Yeah. Wasn't he, like, an active pain during the making of this record i remember reading the press around it at the time where it was just like he could kind of barely move at certain points and yeah i think he i think he was getting over something as he was making this record i I was reading about this today a viral infection that affected his nervous system shit chronic pain serious had to stop working on music for months but you hear that i mean it's it's like because i I remember at the time it was like i don't maybe it was kexp or something like that some radio session he did to your point mike where he did these songs like, and they weren't stripped down. He had a band, but he played them as if they were like Illinois songs and it works seamlessly. So it's almost like maybe he wrote the songs first and it was like having this perspective of like, I want to disassemble the music and like blow it out because of how I feel and, you know, arrange them in that way. Uh, that would kind of make sense with us saying like, you'd have to really carefully consider how you wanted to deconstruct a regular song and, and maximize it like this. Um, yeah. I mean, you should really check out his new album, Javelin. Like, it, it really just kind of feels like the record he's been building towards his whole mm. career. I mean, similarly, he's been struggling with a pretty serious illness. I, I know he was recovering from Guillain-Barre syndrome, and his partner died, and it's just, like, a lot of, like, really tragic stuff happening to him. And, you know, as I'm realizing, like, as I'm getting older and sort of, like, reflecting on these artists that, like, meant a lot to me when I was younger... Like, you know, you really just kind of have to savor them while they're here. And so, I mean, if for whatever reason, you know, this new record ended up being the last music we get from him, which I don't think is going to be the case because he's, you know, even been pretty prolific outside of like what, you know, we would probably consider to be his mainline albums. Um, it really just feels like, the, like, it just feels like everything, like the best parts of everything put together. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the... Um, it's like the the arrangements of Age of Odds with the instrumentation of Illinois and kind of like the quiet devastation of Carrie and Lowell. I mean, you were saying before about that record being a tough one to listen to. I mean, I've only ever listened to that record once through all the way. 
Um, I was on tour with my old band and we were driving through like wherever the fuck Arizona, just like flat land as far as the eye can see. And I put on Carrie and Lowell and the record finished. And I said, oh, that's a dangerous one. Just <laughs> like I got to crush the vibe in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just had it in my headphones and I was uh, like, I was like, I'm, uh, I think I'm, uh, I think that's a one and done. Fire. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm going to, I will undercut my own argument. I feel like that's probably a fair thing to do. Like number one. Do I think any single song on Age of Odds is better than Casimir Pulaski Day? No. You're correct on that. Yeah. I mean, that is an, that's a song, if you listen, that song can ruin your day. Yeah. I have like... Yep, it certainly can. The way that I mostly listen to music is I have, I've just been creating like a starred playlist on Spotify, like since I got Spotify. It's like, I think there's like 1,200 songs on it at this point, and Casimir Pulaski Day is one of them. Jeez. And yeah, if that song comes on and you know you don't you don't change it, and it's like oh you know it's like yeah yeah I'll listen to this. Like it it seriously has like ruined my day before. I'm just like oh god oh, like the glory. <laughs> like no, I can't think of a more that's a Debbie Downer. No, big like time. I love that yeah one. for sure. The second th- way that I will undercut my own argument is the last song in this record is Impossible Soul, which is. 25 fucking minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it, I noticed that. I mean, back in the day when I heard this album, that was like the big point of, ah, am I getting through this whole thing? It's 25 like, minutes I lo- long. I love Illinois. I don't know what I'm doing here with this electronic avant-garde stuff. It's sections though, right? It, it's, it's not just kind of. 25 minutes of droning. It, or- there's, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't listened to it all the way through in quite some time. I mean, honestly, I think the record is like perfect up until there. And usually I... I'm just like, okay, like, I don't know. There's something weird about knowing you're going to spend 25 minutes on one piece of music. That's just like a hard pill for me to swallow. And also you take away that last 25 minute tune, Impossible Soul. You still got like 50 minutes of music, which is longer than most albums by far. Totally. Yeah. And I would say up until that point, he does a good job of avoiding like kind of the like interstitial bullshit that I think like really bogs down Illinois. Like even some of the songs that feel like they're like kind of the tossed off ideas that maybe would be like 30 second interstitials on that record. Like he really fleshes out into like something that's actually like cohesive and has like a strong melodic component. And then like, I don't know, it just feels like everything about this record, like you can really like latch onto in every single song. So it's, it's sort of like if you can kind of like get through the barrier of entry, which is like acknowledging that it's just going to be a different, you know, set of colors than he normally paints with. I mean, everything else about him is still totally there. I mean, everything that people loved about Illinois, which is why I never understood why people weren't as stoked on this record as I was. Yeah, people have kind of forgotten this one. It kind of, like, people talk about Carrie and Lowell. They obviously talk about Illinois. This one kind of falls through the cracks compared to those two, for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, I feel like, you know, even though I think the last record of his that, I I mean, maybe this is, like, rude to say. The last I mean, Carrie and Lowell's, probably the last record of his people cared about. I mean, he's had a couple. I remember The Ascension came out. I tried listening to it, and it just was, like, not that interesting to me. And then he's done some other, like, he did a collaborative um, record with um, a singer named uh, Angelo Augustine, whose solo stuff I love. I haven't actually checked out their collaborative record, but I know that um, Angelo is on his label, and, and I know they've done, you know, stuff together over the years. Um, where was I going with that? Well, <laughs> let's, uh, I want to hear one more excerpt from age of odds is there like another really awesome moment of the album that you love that you want to share on here today let's say the one i sent you for uh the song vesuvius if you start at like a minute 45 this song does something that i really love i love when artists refer to themselves in their songs like when they like talk to themselves like by name i don't know why i've like always loved this 
Um, I can think of like a few other moments. Like I know there's like an always song where she like mentions herself by name and like you'll see the lyric he's singing like Sufian, like follow your heart, follow like, I don't know. I just remember like listening to that and like actually like follow, like following along with the lyrics and just like having this moment of being like, I remember like, I just remember the scene so vividly. I was like sitting in, sitting on the couch in the living room of the house I was living in my senior year of college. And like, you know, we would listen to this record all the time, but I was just like sitting there listening to it by myself. And I was like following on the lyrics and like, I don't know, next thing you know, I'm just like sobbing, just like really hit me at like this uh-huh. weird moment. It was like cold out. And it was just, cause this record came out in like October or something. It was just like, I don't know. I think I was like freaking out about finals and just like not really knowing what the hell was going to happen after graduation. And like, I don't know, just hearing him singing to himself in this song was just like such a powerful moment for me. Um, I just like really love it. It just like is it kind of is just another layer. Sometimes it's it's almost like I don't know if it's like an inside joke or something, but you know, for for all the real heads who get it. Um, But yeah, if you want to pop that up, start it at like a minute forty five. Let's do it. We'll say the percussion sounds on this album are a little bit of a barrier. <laughs> Sometimes. find your footing. Solid hook. I love that. It's awesome. Such yeah. a like such a melodically dense section too. There's just so much stuff going on. And this record also has like a lot of really great like ending moments where it's just like really kind of like locks in on like an anthemic part that that we were just sort of starting at the end there. Um yeah, man, great. I can't I I love this record. It's just it's it's I don't know, it's 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 so like I think a lot of people think of electronic sounds as being like really cold, but there's like so much warmth in this record to me. And it's just like, I don't know, every time I hear it, it just takes me back to like a very specific place. And like, I don't know, it's it's cool that I get the chance to go off on it to somebody who is not my wife, who has heard <laughs> all of these arguments. Uh, <laughs> She's had this conversation a hundred times before with me. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, your enthusiasm is infectious. It is. There's no denying that. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm coming around on this one a little bit. It's cold. Cold is homogenic. Like a, a Bjork wintry record. This is this is still a party. It's got that crazy sound festival thing that he he loves to do. But it's yeah, if you make an album like Illinois and just the huge impact that that had and what a mammoth undertaking making an album like that was, 
you know, this is a cool, artistically, this is a pretty respectable 180 to pull on people like, oh, I'm going in this, I'm sick of my banjo, I'm sick of the horns and all that. This is, I'm going in this direction from my next thing. I, I always respect an artist who, who can do that. Totally. And I mean, if you are at all a fan of his and like his career and his evolution and you've not checked out Javelin, I, I really strongly recommend it. I mean, honestly, even just the song Shit Talk, it's like, it's like his entire career just like step by step. Like he, it, it kind of starts as like, you know, like a Michigan, like Seven Swan song and then becomes an Illinois song and then it sort of becomes Age of Oz. It, like it's, it weirdly is just like him executing wow. like every era of himself, like simultaneously. I mean, really, again, like if this ends up being, you know, the last like proper, like Sufjan Stevens, like mainline solo record, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a hell of a way to go out. I mean, it's, I guess it's not really fair to say he's like gone away and is coming back. I mean, it seems like with all of like the, the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack, I mean, he played at the Oscars, but like, you know, yeah, he's still kicking. He's definitely still kicking, but you know, having kind of like grown up like in, you know, like when Illinois came out and sort of like following along with like the really like the the pop cultural media narrative of like that record and him. And again, it's sort of ushering in this sort of like I, I think I said it what I say before, like overachieving indie rock that's sort of like, you know, kicked open the door for like your arcade fires and like your, you know, your your massive like 12 piece, you know, bands. Symphonic. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like too many people, like what the hell's going on? Like, I don't know, not in this economy. You can't have, you can't have a. You definitely <laughs> cannot do that 12 person tour anymore. <laughs> no, no, definitely uh, not. Yeah. Well, what do we, what do we learn from this? I mean, I feel like I, uh, I always did love this record. I, I can't say it was my favorite album of his. I always felt like the moments of beauty on it were like hard earned, which I mean is a compliment. Like you just you don't just get them for free like you did on Illinois. I like that. But I um I need to go back and revisit it. I think is what I learned from this segment. It's it's been a while since I delved into this one. I have an embarrassing admission that I still have never yet listened to Carrie and Lowell. It's been uh, on the back burner for you know however many years since it came out. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm I'm going to revisit Age of Odds before I. Go on to Carrie and Lowell. This is this has my uh, interest more than that at this point. And and you know I go back to Illinois once in a while anyway. That one I'm familiar with. But this is going to be my next stop. Make sure you're feeling you know secure about about where you're at emotionally before <laughs> before Carrie and Lowell because it sounds like both Matt and I uh, made that mistake. It can't be any more devastating than Casimir Pulaski Day, can it? Uh, I guess it's a whole album. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unrelenting. Minutes, so. Like it just doesn't yeah. Really yeah. stop. You don't get any Decatur. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, there's no applause breaks in Carrie and Lowell. Uh, Mike, what you learn on on this episode today? Um, Hosano is the bomb. Yes, that I was trying to remember what what his name was, but yes, I I learned that I definitely need to go and check out that record. Yeah, yeah, and especially if I mean, as soon as you said he had a McCartney two era, I mean, I was about to say speaking of speaking of crazy artistic pivots. Um, that's, that's yep. definitely one of my favorite, my favorite left turns. Um, oh man. So yeah. You'll love Sportsmen then. Yeah. Uh, by Haromi Hosono. I'm definitely, yeah. Please send me that, uh, or, or I'll, I'll check it out in the show notes. Sweet deal. Well, gentlemen, do we have anything we want to plug? I did want to say that I know last week we talked about this is Spinal Tap and I did not realize yeah. this, but there is a sequel to Spinal Tap coming out. I think really? next year that I just read about, like just read about this morning. 
And um, Paul McCartney, Elton John, and Garth Brooks are going to make appearances in it. But it's going to be... Garth Brooks. <laughs> it's going to be like a second documentary at, at them trying to get like redemption. But yeah, it's going to be the same three fellas. And oh, yeah, shit. it's going to be great. Rob Reiner back too. Oh, man. Yeah, sign me up. The whole crew. I got not one, but two Niagara Moon shows coming up in the near future. Like I've been saying, December 2nd, Saturday, 9.30 p.m., East Hampton, Massachusetts, Luthier's Co-op, duo set with Hui Min, uh, followed by December 8th uh, at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield. Uh, we're part of a, uh, a Hanukkah night there. Uh, Hui Min is Jewish. I am, I'm just along for the ride. You're doing the but... Yola Tango thing in <laughs> Massachusetts? We're opening for Eleanor Levine Band and, and some other great folks uh, in Greenfield, Mass. Uh, again, that's Hawks and Reed. Uh, I believe doors are at 7 on Friday, December 8th. So if you're in the area, uh, one of those shows, come say hey. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can listen to my music online. Um, I release music under the name Mount Farrell. I'm, I'm still undecided if that's what I'm going to continue going forward. Uh, that was named my project when I was living in Brooklyn. Now that I'm out in Jersey, I'm just not sure if it feels... You're going to go to Valley Domesticated. That's your next move. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's real bad. Terrible. Awful. Um, but yeah, you can go to uh, mountferrell.com. Honestly, I bought both domains, so you can spell it MT or Mount, <laughs> spell it out, um, F-E-R-A-L. Um, it's play on my name, Mike Farrell. You can follow me on Instagram at fike.merrill. Um, I play a little bit in the Essex County, New Jersey area. You can reliably see me at the um, open mic at Silverstream Studios in Montclair. One of my favorite places. I really got to give them a shout out. Um, it's been like a really awesome community that I've found there. I really love uh, the people who keep showing up. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's really all I have going on right now. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'll certainly be sharing that in the show notes along with uh, the titles of the songs I shared today because I certainly didn't uh, explain them very clearly. And also, if you're digging around the show notes, you'll find a link uh, to our survey. Uh, mm. I mentioned that a few weeks back, but if you still haven't taken that, if you're a regular Losing My Opinion listener and you have thoughts you want to share or just you know, say hi, uh, check out the Losing My Opinion survey in the show notes as well. We read uh, every submission. We do. We got some great responses last time. We have. If you got ideas for what we should do for future segments, we will definitely read them and take them into consideration. We've gotten some great feedback so far. So uh, just wanted to mention that. And in general, if you want to make sure that you catch every future episode of Losing My Opinion, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can also follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or Chris Krause Applesauce. X. X. <laughs> and today, we listen to what it, Portuguese singing, Italian, French, Japanese, and sometimes it's okay to not understand what's going on. I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Took you a while to get there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say... Thanks, Mike, for, for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'll say so long, suckers. We'll see you next week.